Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Brandon Marcello of 24-7 Sports. And Brandon, as always, man, appreciate you joining us. How are you doing this afternoon? Doing great. How are you guys? Well, we're doing good, man. We're doing good. And in fact, uh, you know, something I'm sure you heard a little bit of the tease there as well. Uh, it's kind of supposed to, supposedly, at least, being a slower time of the year for college football and all of that. But, man, with the amount of uh, stuff going on with NIL and the situation with, you know, these Jordan Addison and players entering into the transfer portal, it is certainly continues to be an ongoing busy time for college football and especially for someone like you who writes about it. Yeah, I mean, we're in a restricted free agency mode right now, so to speak. And, um, you know, we pretty much we are we are finished with, you know, players are going to be available during the transfer portal, big, big exits last week. And, of course, kind of the, the final firework in the chamber was hit receiver Jordan Addison, who, as folks don't know, won the Bolitnikoff Award last year as the nation's top receiver, had nearly 1,600 yards receiving, and by far the best available player right now in the portal and just entered his name officially. And, uh, a lot of schools are going to be very interested in him. And one school that's obviously been tied with him quite a bit is USC. Uh, a lot of rumors out there uh, as early as last Friday tying him to USC and there potentially being a big NIL deal in place. But, you know, nothing has really come to light since then about that. And from what we understand, he's, he's opened all suitors at this point. So, could be an interesting bidding war, so to speak, between among all these NIL collectors at these schools. As far as Jordan Addison getting in, and like you mentioned, officially, the deadline is May 1st. So was it just the fact that he had to let them know that he was going into the portal and then he had a couple of days to play with where he made it official? Yeah, he, he had to just file a paper, his own paperwork to the school by Sunday. And uh, on May 1st, and then the school has 48 hours, actually two business days, to enter it into the, the actual insulate transfer portal. So uh, it could have shown up as late as uh, late tonight or actually early Wednesday morning at the latest. But uh, that's kind of, the, kind of the, the window of time we're looking at here. Well, and it's funny with his situation, too, because you look at the timing, you look at the reports of saying that, you know, USC is a hot contender there as well. And it, and you can't help but start wondering about some of, some of the tampering that may be going on. And I think that this happens probably more than we even realize in college football. But uh, do you think that there was a case of that in this situation? And if so, is there any way of trying to fix this, police it, adjust it, or whatever to try to keep it from happening? Well, I have no reason to believe that there's actual tampering going on just because I say that because I don't have anybody telling me that and showing me firsthand evidence of any sort. Uh, but I do know that head coach Pat Narduzzi has reached out to USC and sharing some concerns about that potentially happening uh, with USC. Uh, Pat Narduzzi actually previously had done that with Notre Dame with another uh, player of his uh, previously. And, um, but having said that, good luck trying to prove, <laughs> prove there any tampering going on because we're in a situation 
where these NIL collectives are not tied directly to these schools. So what's really stopping just a random Joe on the street, so to speak, with one of these NIL collectives reaching out to this player or one of the player's representatives and saying, hey, if your guy wants to come to USC or to Tennessee or to Kansas, wherever, you know, I think we could put a really good deal together for him that's probably worth more than a you know, million dollars or $2 million or whatever. Um, I'm not so sure the, the NCAA at this point is even in the position to even try to chase that down, let alone maybe punish a school for that and try to tie them directly to it. So long story short, one, good luck proving any of this, and two, good luck getting the NCAA to weigh in on it because the NCAA has no interest and trying to police any of this right now because the last two years they've been trying to get Congress and the government to come up with their own uh, NIL legislation so that they could stand out of the way and not getting into the, into these antitrust lawsuits they're so worried about getting into with this whole situation. So, uh, again, long story short, it's, it's, it's the Wild West for a reason because there's no lawmen out there uh, policing this thing, and there won't be for a long time. So, yeah, it, if you're an NIL collective, or for that matter, really a school, I mean, goodness gracious, you, you could probably do almost anything you want and probably get away with it at this point. You mentioned that Jordan Addison said he's open to old suitors, and we're hearing a lot about USC. Any other schools that are in the mix that are connected to him? Uh, 24-7 sports is been able to, to uh, confirm through sources that uh, it, USC is interested and Texas as well, they, that they're interested in pursuing him. That list will only grow uh, as the, the hours kick off here because technically uh, coaches are not allowed to have direct contact with the player until they're in the transfer portal. And Jordan Addison being in the transfer portal as of, what, 45 minutes ago or whatever, uh, I'm sure his phone was exploding as soon as his name hit the portal with coaches uh, calling him. In fact, I remember a year ago, I was in a coach's office uh, at an ACC school, and a player had just hit the portal, and they got word of it, and they tracked down the guy's number, and they were calling him within minutes of that happening because it was finally legal to, to reach out to him. So I'm sure Jordan Addison is just getting headed up like crazy right now, and um, I'm sure he'll be adding some, some more schools to his list. We're speaking with Brandon Marceau of 24-7 Sports here on the Jones & Son Diamond Bridal and Fine Jewelry Hotline. Uh, Brandon, another thing, too, in, in, in continuing on with, with the whole Jordan Addison thing is some people have suggested po- perhaps some like timing or at least some uh, some regulations on when people can enter into the transfer portal or, or a certain time frame or anything like that. Do you think that that would be beneficial? Because I guess the thing that was really shocking with Jordan Addison was just the timing. Because, uh, you know, here in Arkansas, we remember last year, Mike Woods entered into the portal two days after scoring a touchdown in the spring game, and then a day later he was at Oklahoma Uh, Do you feel like that there should be some sort of deal put into place to keep from teams kind of being left hanging out to dry when they're expecting a player after spring practice to be there in the fall and then he ends up entering into the portal? I don't think we'll see anything fixed with that, specifically with that timeline in the spring. In fact, I think if you're trying to tie this to academics, because, listen, this is still an academic adventure in a lot of ways because these are kids going to school, 
that if they do have windows for when you can enter the portal, it'll probably be something that looks like uh, near the end of the fall semester and near the end of the spring semester, which would line up with the end of the regular season and the end of spring practices across the country. I think what that will obviously curb, though, are players leaving in the middle of the season or right before the season, as we've seen some players, a handful of players do, and that leaves a roster and a coaching staff in lurch because they can't go at anybody really because no one's available, and they're in the middle of the season. Um, and that hurts their depth just as far as the season goes. So I think when we do see some guardrails of some sort, which that's already being discussed right now, and I'm sure it'll probably be in place probably as soon as this, up, this upcoming year, this next academic year, it'll look something like that. Brandon, you had a chance to talk to Lincoln Riley did you get uh, to talk to him about his take on NIL? And if so, what, what is his take on NIL? We had talked much about that. It's funny because we chatted uh, just before that Addison news came out, like uh, probably eight hours before that happened. And, uh, so that wasn't even obviously on my radar. It was on no one's radar. But we did talk about you know him departing OU. Um, and, of course, what he's doing there at USC as far as trying to get transfers there. And he told me if they're looking to add maybe as many or maybe even more than 10 more players out of the transfer portal this spring and summer, because they're so far below the scholarship limit right now, they have room to maneuver. And I think they've had something like, uh, I can't remember the exact number, like 26 players or something like that leave and enter the transfer portal since last season because of all the stuff that was going on there with the coaching change. So you've got room to maneuver. Um, interestingly, USC doesn't really have a, I guess, a very well-organized NIL collective that is similar to what we've seen, for example, at Texas A&M or most notably at Florida. Uh, but obviously there's some boosters there that are, in position to offer some things. Um, for example, Caleb Williams, I know, uh, just launched a, a new NFT venture um, with, I think, Matt Liner, where they partnered together to open up an NFT market for other players across the country. Um, so there's a lot of business opportunities at all these schools, but at USC specifically, what they're trying to sell is it's like, listen, it's glitz, it's glamour. It's a huge NIL market there. I mean, it's a huge market anyway to be able to market yourself and sell brands and, and make money off that. But also you can come there and win a championship within a year or two because all the top stars are very interested in going there, which, of course, that's what drew Lincoln Riley there partially and, and why guys like former OU quarterback Caleb Williams, former Oregon running back Travis Dye, Mario Williams, the former receiver from OU, why all those guys end up landing there in L.A. So, you know, when you look at across the country at NIL and how they can immediately impact teams, there, there are teams that I really point to right now, and, and that's USC, Florida, Miami, and to a certain extent Ole Miss because Lane Kiffin's just been absolutely slaying it in the portal as well. You know, you mentioned uh, with your interview with Lincoln Riley, too. I, the one question I think a lot of people had is, you know, his reasoning for leaving. And some people even said, oh, well, it may have been because Oklahoma was joining the SEC and he didn't want to be a part of that. Uh, did that have anything to do with his decision? Did you talk about, you know, that whole element of Oklahoma joining the SEC here in the next few years? 
Yeah, I asked him about that. I, it was interesting. I was told he had never been asked about that, and there had been reports, including some Sports Illustrated, saying that that did factor into his decision, that he wasn't completely on board with going to the SEC. But, he, I mean, listen, he's going to say what he's going to say. Any coach is going to say this. But he said, yeah, no, that, there was no truth to that, is what he said. And he said that the easy thing for him to do would have been to stay at OU and not go to USC. Um, he says he knows what it's like to be in a tough situation, and that's why he took the OU job when he was 33, uh, and that's why he took the USC job at this point in his career. He feels like it's a, it's a much tougher challenge to go to USC than it was to stay at OU, even as they joined the SEC. So, listen, I think any coach probably would have said that, whether we believe it or not. Uh, you know, that's for everybody else, to everybody to kind of uh, interpret and look at, but you know, from talking to him, it's very obvious that there was a lot that went into the decision. One, it was a new challenge. Two, it was USC. Three, it was the location. Four, just the absolute amazing financial package they were offering him, uh, the living situation. And then also for his family, it was an opportunity potentially for a better education and also to help out his kids. Um, and he mentioned to me that, you know, his oldest daughter just turned nine. And he said, I'm sitting there thinking, wow, I've been a head coach pretty much almost the entire time we were at OU. She was, you know, that's when she was born. And, you know, she's about halfway to almost being in college when she turns 18. And I, I don't want to miss out on enjoying that to its fullest extent until she leaves the house. So she's, he's thinking, uh, we need to go do something, do something for our kids. And uh, he feels in his best interest that that's on the West Coast. And, you know, I think a lot of us, we like to judge people and, you know, project on people. And, you know, sometimes it's just as simple as, is this a better job, in my opinion? And do I like more money? And do I want this or that compared to what I would have already been accustomed to? And um, for him, that, that answer was, of course, I want to go to USC. Deion Sanders also had some comments where he wants his players to focus on NFL, not NIL. And you tweeted out, please don't change when you're hired as a Power 5 coach. What did you mean by that? Well, it's a double-edged sword for me because I'm saying I, I don't want him to change because I don't want, I don't want him to, to, to close his mouth. I want him to keep talking and sharing his opinion, which I don't think he'll ever be shy of, even if, his new bosses at any Power 5 school tell him, hey, tone it down a little bit. And secondly, I think every coach has, every coach has some hypocritical, hypocritical moments within themselves. And, uh, I mean, it's a, just the nature of the beast. And, I mean, for that matter, I mean, does he, is he able to get the type of players he's been able to get at Jackson State with NIL? Probably not. I think that's very clear. Though I will say, he's attracting players there who even have been considering Jackson State because of him. I mean, that they might as well rename that that football program Deion Sanders University because he is what attracts the players there. The NIL stuff can just sweeten the deal and make it actually a legitimate option for them because I don't think any kids are going to go. I'm going to go play for Deion Sanders or whoever and turn down, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to say go to Florida State or whatever. So I, I just don't want 
Deion Sanders, whenever he does get a bigger gig, which he's going to, it's just a matter of time, it's going to happen. I don't want him to tone his his his, his rhetoric and everything down. So I want that. We need more of that in college football. We need more coaches speaking their mind. Obviously, it's got to have the certain job open up. But what what do you think would be like the perfect job for Deion Sanders in major college football? Like, if there was a perfect job, what would it be? Florida State. Um, you know, I I, I think that uh, that would obviously be perfect. His alma mater, I think, he'd do very very well there uh, as a recruiter. Um, and I think that's kind of what Florida State needs in its system right now, just to go completely crazy, uh, go outside the norm, and figure that out, because nothing has been working since the Jimbo Fisher era. Now, having said that, Mike Norvell still the coach there and probably will be there for another two years at least, uh, but he better start showing some significant improvements starting this season to, to really kind of solidify himself for the next couple of years, or Maybe a guy like Deion Sanders could be hired. Now, it would probably be a difficult sell for a lot of these boosters and, and, and administrators, but if it's not a school like Florida State, then it'll be someone. Someone will have an interest in him. And, and listen, he's, he has shown interest in other jobs, and also you know, other jobs, universities have shown interest in him. He was in the running for the TCU job most recently here back in December and January. So... Someone's going to hire him, and, uh, you know, wouldn't be surprised if it's this next up cutting off season. Also, you posted your uh, top 25 post-spring rankings. How much different is it from the way-too-early top 25 rankings? Well, you know, from my colleagues, there's some big, big differences there. I'm, I'm a little bit higher on USC just because I know the type of players they've brought in so far, and they've got so much room to maneuver, so much cap space, so to speak, that I think they're going to add some other big names. They're going to score points. I just don't know about their defense. And that's kind of how it's always been with Lincoln Riley uh, at OU. Um, I'm also higher on Wake Forest than most because um, Wake, you look at their roster and the production returning, it's a top 10 team, but a lot of us just don't seem to want to be we're hesitant to put them up there after winning 11 games last year, just because it's Wake Forest and we're afraid to do so. Now, I don't think they're going to be able to repeat as an 11 win team or even maybe a 10 win team, but as of right now, they look like a top 10 team to me. And so uh, for that matter, I'm a little bit higher on them as well. Then there's some other schools I'm not so high on that even – or I, let me go back to being high on schools. NC State's a school that I jump huge in my my rankings uh, from my previous ones because, uh, well, honestly, almost kind of like an oversight on my part. I looked at the roster, everything they got returning, and then I looked at their schedule – they got the potential there to potentially win the ACC this year. This is their year to do it. This is their circle, this, the circle on the calendar, the window to be able to jump through, and uh, they, they could very well do it this year. And then a team I'm kind of slipping on a little bit right now uh, is Oregon. Um, they, they're not quite getting the type of players I thought they're going to uh, early in the transfer portal in the Dan Lanning era so far. Of course, it's only been a few months, but they haven't quite gotten the type of players I want to see. They've lost some players in the portal that I wasn't quite expecting. They lost quite a bit of talent just going to the NFL and obviously exhausting their eligibility from last season. And it appears after spring practices that their quarterback is going to end up being Bo Nix. And I'm not a big Bo Nix believer, 
uh, at Auburn um, because he was a guy that just absorbed sacks, made bad decisions. And this past spring, Bo Nix in their spring game, he emerged as the number one guy, it appears. And get this, he was sacked four times in their spring game. I, I, I just don't have a lot of confidence that Oregon is going to be able to even repeat the type of production they had last year. And they lost all those stars, plus they got Bo Nix at quarterback. I think they're going to take maybe a little bit of a step back this year. And so probably still a top 25 team going into the preseason, but uh, I'm not I'm not sold on them being a top 10 or top 15 type program in 2022. Brennan Marceau of 24-7 Sports, as always, man, we appreciate you hopping on, talking some college football. Enjoy the rest of your week, all right? All right, you guys too, thanks.